there, readers. We're taking a break from our regular episodes to feature some special edition issues for Pride Month. We're especially excited to welcome some incredible guest collaborators, and we hope that you enjoy these stories filled with queer joy and shenanigans just as much as we do. Here's to a happy and safe Pride Month from the cast of Wonder World Comics. On the cover. In a fractal of rainbow-colored shattered glass, our heroes are divided in three triangular panes. To the top right, shaded in vibrant greens and yellows, we see Ryan, wrapped in a warm hug by Uncle Patrick. Bottom center, among bright reds and oranges, stands Bobby, monologuing in the most adorable donkey ears and winking at his fans in the audience. To the top left, in sparkling violets and blues, is Celis giving a standing ovation while her twin sister Celine bows deeply on stage. At the center of it all, watching our heroes is a mysterious white avian eye wreathed in colorful shards. Encircling this is the title, spelled out in a looping Old English font, Shakespeare, Pride in the Park, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy Pride Month, Wonder World Comics listeners. Happy Pride Month. I'm here to co-GM with Justin. Hi, my name's Siobhan. I use she, her, and you can listen to me on the Someplace to Be podcast. We're going to be, as we're setting up, introducing all of our lovely main cast and guest cast members for the night. So, Justin, we're here to do Shakespeare in the Park. Yes, we are. My name is Justin. I go by he, him. I will also be here present as my PC character, Stitch. She goes by she, her. And yeah, we're going to have some fun. Yeah, so like, um, you know, queer people do naturally, we're here to break social norms by having two co-GMs play masks. And I'm very excited about it. And we have um, a lovely uh, normal cast member from Wonder World Comics, Kaylee. Yeah, I would not ever describe myself as normal. Or Ryan. But, uh, yeah, I am <laughs> well, <Kaylee>. regular <laughs> cast member. <laughs> I use uh, they and she pronouns, and my character Ryan uses she, he, and they pronouns. Yeah. And we have uh, tonight, uh, we have Jenny with us. Hello, everybody. My name is Jenny Blaze, and I am a uh, amateur YouTuber, podcaster, I do a lot of things online, and I am going to be playing the Janice, Celis Rockwell, aka Refract. I, Jenny, use she/her pronouns as well as Celis, who also uses she/her pronouns. And we have John John here as well. Hello, I'm John John. I'm on loan over from Moon Harbor Heroes podcast. I use they and he, and I guess any pronouns these days. Uh, it's Pride Month. And uh, I'll be playing uh, a character from Aftershocks over on Moon Harbor named Bobby, also known as Coda, using the Star Playbook. Uh, Bobby uses he, him. Uh, Go listen to Moon Harbor. I recommend starting with Aftershocks. I know it's spoilery, but it's one of my favorite lines. So, like, go listen to that. All right. Yeah. um, So, it is... Pride Month in New Olympus. 
Um, we already got a small taste of Pride Month of, with the uh, queer library. Um, and here, uh, we're going to be visiting a queer production of A Midsummer's Night's Dream in the city park in New Olympus. What what do we think the city hall park or the city park looks like? I think to go with kind of the tradition of the old town roller rink being the one that's served by the Lavender Court Legends. This is a park that hasn't been mentioned before, set in old mm -hmm. town. This certainly isn't Lincoln Park on Paragon Island next to Farsec headquarters. This is a community park that is being uplifted and held together by a caring neighborhood and a group of people around it. I'm imagining that this park maybe has either like a little amphitheater or a temporary structure that they built a small, simple backstage for, um, specifically so that we can have a place to run characters backstage, um, even if uh, many Shakespeare in the Park productions wouldn't have that. I, I want us to have that to play with it. And I think that it is um, it's a beautiful June day, green grass, uh, beautiful trees in this park. And there's a clearing in the middle, surround which uh, surrounds this little amphitheater and a um, sizable, uh, happy crowd uh, here to support a, a local queer production. Uh, do you have anything to add, Justin? Yeah, I think the only main thing I'll add is... Behind the amphitheater and the setup stage, there is a small wooded area that's a little more densely packed than the mm -hmm. rest of the area around the park for no reason at all. All right. Yeah, I think we see that there are like families where maybe the parents are listening to production, but they're entertaining their kids on the swings and stuff like that. Maybe there's like a, a pair of moms uh, with their baby on the swing and their dog with a little rainbow handkerchief. The next panel is an overview of this crowd, and the panel after that is a zoom-in on Jenny's character. Jenny, why don't you tell us about your character for the night? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so, Celis Rockwell. Uh, she is a 16-year-old trans girl. She, though, she is still uh, in the closet about that, so most of the people know her by her birth name slash dead name, uh, Cyrus. Although, just for tonight, she's decided to go out and be herself as she has gotten dressed up in a really nice purple dress, uh, probably a black cardigan, some nice shoes. Her hair, when she's in civilian form, is normally pretty short, and so she has a brown wig on that she borrowed from her best friend Daisy. She is here to support her beloved twin sister, Celine, who uh, I should note is uh, cisgender. Celis and Celine are fraternal twins, and Celis is here with two of her other really good friends, her friends Jimmy and Daisy. At, at the moment, it's just uh, Jimmy, Daisy, and Celine who know that Celis is trans, mm -hmm. although Celine does not yet know about Celis's other life if you know what I mean. Well, that's very exciting, because she's what playbook? She is the Janice playbook. All right. Uh, now, Kaylee, what is uh, your character up to? Uh, yeah, so I think Ryan is definitely feeling pretty femme today. He did threaten 
his uncle Patrick that he would rock up in his booty shorts, but he has not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so she's got like a, a flower crown on and like some kind of like really flowy dress that has like a huge slit up it so that you can still see their great legs. Uh, Ryan is six foot two, so Ryan is like this huge glamazon basically walking into the park. I think Ryan's kind of on his own. I think he came obviously to see his uncle perform. Most of Ryan's friends are in the derby team, but I think a lot of them are sort of like off having a drink or having a little like uh, wind down after skating all day in the Pride Parade. (laughs) So how old is Ryan and what playbook will they be using tonight? Oh, Ryan is uh, 17 and Ryan is the bull playbook. All right. And John John, what is your character doing at this moment? Has the probably the production has not started yet, right? I think Coda is on stage despite that <laughs> in completely the wrong costume and is like standing there being like if I profane with my unworthiest hand and then looks up the director <laughs> being like that's not the show, that's not the right show. <laughs> and like Koda will like look to the director then look to the drone that's filming him for his Instagram audience and then just continue like quoting Romeo and Juliet or Mackers or any other Shakespeare than the one that he's currently assigned to do (laughs) and I think I think every technician looks a little uh both like oscillating between amused and annoyed do you have any fans in the crowd here screwing you on regardless Oh, yeah, I think there are, like, I think there is some level of celebrity coming from the Star Playbook, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think some of, even some of his fans have, like, come across country to come see this one production <laughs> yeah. of, you know, Free Shakespeare in the Park. So I think, you know, and he's, he's playing it up for them a little bit as well. Yeah, people came across the country to celebrate Pride on the opposite coast. It's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, all for me. <laughs> And what costume are you wearing? I think for the Midsummer Night's Dream, because it's a it's a queer community theater group, they have basically done up the glitter and the fairy aspects of the show. They are going all out with that stuff. Yeah, I th- I think that is like it, but it's probably like not the outfit he's supposed to be wearing for bottom. Right, which you've got the right makeup like- on, maybe. Yeah, but it looks like slightly more glamorous for no reason, and it's probably like one of like, like a it's like almost a simulacrum of like one of Hermia or Helena's dresses as well. So it's yes. like it's just all the way out there. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So I think does anybody want to do any small scenes before the show starts, or should we just like? Uh, I I would honestly considering uh, like Ryan is in the is in the audience and. Uh, Celis is in the audience with her friends. Yeah. Are you gonna approach Ryan? Yeah. I think that, uh, that Celis is kind of, like, talking with, uh, her two friends and being, and they're like, oh, I'm so excited for this, and Celis, she can be a little bit oblivious at times, especially when she's just out and about and enjoying being her true self. That she doesn't notice uh, the six foot two person that is Ryan and accidentally bumps into them. Oh, sorry. My bad. Uh, I love that because I also think 
Ryan is completely oblivious right now and probably also ran into you. <laughs> I think. Beautiful. I think I think Ryan's watching Coda, <laughs> and yeah, so like collides, and then it's just like, whoa! Ah, oh, sorry about that. No, 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 no. It it was all my fault. Not my bad. No, I was totally. Uh, whoa! Uh, this is Ryan realizing that you're actually a hot girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoa! Uh, I'm Ryan. Uh, uh, hi. Uh, uh, Celis. It is so nice to meet you, Celis. Uh, thanks. I think Celis is just blushing at this because she wasn't expecting to have somebody attracted to her. Yeah, this is what you gotta know about Ryan. Uh, Ryan is attracted to many, many women. Um, such a <laughs> such a lesbian. Hell yeah! I think Ryan is gonna um like fix his flower crown a little bit and then just kind of like, do you uh do you want to s- sit together? Uh, sure. Uh, she looks over at uh Daisy and Jimmy. And is like, it, is it all right with you guys if we sit with uh, her? I think Daisy says, well, I brought two blankets, so you guys can have one. I mean, uh, she looks over at Ryan and then looks back at Daisy and is just, like, red in the face. Because Celis has mainly been thinking about her gender identity. She hasn't really gotten down what her sexual identity is, so she is very much unsure about that at this point. But the fact that there is somebody hitting on her... She does not know how to feel about this. Yeah, I think I think Daisy knows you pretty well, and so she just shoves one of her picnic blankets into your hands. Yeah, so I think they, like, you know, set up their blanket next to you, but they're, like, you know, giving you a little bit of space. As Coda is going backstage, he notices Frankie, one of his co-stars, who is... Not looking so well. Yeah, I think I think a minor addendum is that Coda is not going backstage. Coda is being forced backstage. Oh yeah, they're <laughs> like, come on, we we have curtain in, in three minutes. Like you got to back here. And so it's like, but we always hold for like five or ten, anyways. So like, what's what's the problem? <laughs> um, and then like, <laughs> I think Coda will notice Frankie, but then be like, PA, PA. Someone get Frankie a drink. Like, I've already got Puck's Lance memorized, so you're good. But, like, uh, <laughs> like someone should get him, like, I don't know. Do you do vodka rocks here? Do we do vodka yet? Is anyone old <laughs> enough to drink here? I'm not. <laughs> Just get him something for his nerves. He'll be fine. <laughs> and we'll walk by. <laughs> I think one of your other cast mem- castmates does, like, bring bring them something but <laughs> and what's stitch up to at this moment stitch is looking just absolutely glorious as helena she is in her athenian dress she is 511 because right now she is ready to go and happy no conditions marked nothing else that's happening in the current plot matters <laughs> she has her hair braided it's about shoulder length it is a vibrant red tonight, and her eyes are just wide and gleaming. Since she's the newborn, she's been alive barely a month, 
this is her first time actually performing. Now, did Stitch, um, did, did she take any makeup or is she doing her own with her stitches? Like, does she have any, is she wearing glitter that will never get out of her weave or? You know, that's super interesting. I never thought of that. Everything that she does do is through her weave, though. She doesn't apply makeup, but. Right, because normally she can just give herself a little blush with the red thread, a customary first pride where you get too much glitter and it's stuck in all of your clothes for like a year later, except that's just you. <laughs> yes. Hopefully it'll come out. <laughs> I'm sure it looks great. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we move on, Justin? It's a beautiful June evening. The production's about to kick off. We have idyllic mountains in the background and the sounds of calling seagulls, Ralph and Gus from the distance and the play is about to begin thank you for putting yeah. ralph and gus in <laughs> oh what's the name of um uh southpaw's friend that kid's in the crowd i think finn finn, finn and his family are here yeah so we have finn coral sebastian yeah Readers of Wonder World Comics will see many familiar faces in the crowd as we see, we get one shot on the stage of the crowd anticipating it. We can see Salas' and Ryan's heads sitting next to each other on a picnic blanket out in the distance. And the the play starts, which opens with Theseus in Hippolyta? I don't know. Hippolyta. Hippolyta, who are four days away from their wedding. Scenes start. And I think for the most part, the show goes on normally. I would say that the costumes are a little more eccentric because this is for a Pride event. And so, oh, yeah. um, you know, Stitch and the other people who work on the costumes have, like, stepped it up with um, a lot of queer influence and culture. Yes, everything's also very queer-coded. So Hippolyta and Theseus are a gay couple. Um, Titania and Oberon are a lesbian couple, and they are currently being played by drag kings and drag queens, as well mm -hmm. as the other cast, which are more widely associated with more gender and uh, queer diversity, though overall the play still has the premise of sticking to the Shakespeare. Yeah, but having a lot of fun with it along the way. Would you like to narrate what happens next, Justin? I do want to ask what is happening in the audience. How are Ryan and Celeste doing? Oh, yeah. Good question. I don't know about Celeste, but Ryan is definitely very unsubtly leaning closer and closer. <laughs> Celeste is very much just like very just like she's not no she's not quite sure what to think. Uh, and she tries like making small talk with Ryan. Like, she's not, like, like turned off by it at all. It's just, she she is chock full of anxiety. <laughs> like, underneath her bubbly exterior, she is full of anxiety. <laughs> Selena's Hermia, right? Yes. Okay. When Hermia comes up, played by Celis's twin sister, Celis is like, oh, hey, there's my sister up there. I think Ryan's like, oh, wow, you know someone in the show as well. Yeah, I came out here to come and see her perform because 
you know, the two of us, you know, we're thick as thieves, basically, you know, besides my dad, who's always working. She's the only other family I got. Yeah, wow. My my uncle's in. Uh, he, he's he should be coming up soon. And then I think um, you don't know where from, but Ryan pulls out a Tupperware container with some chocolate chip cookies in it. Um, there's it doesn't make sense because <laughs> she's not wearing enough clothes for this. There's no pockets, but they appear. Uh, <laughs> and she like they were pops pulled the out of hammer space. Yeah, she's got hammer space for chocolate chip cookies. Uh, and she like pops the lid open and then just like starts eating and is like, what, what, what? So, uh, thank you. All right. We get to a point where the cast of players is on stage and we have our debut of Coda as Bottom. <laughs> and can I ask, what is Bobby wearing? And how is he strutting on stage for the first time? Bobby, uh, like, struts on stage like he owns the, the actual place, right? Like, it is, you know, I think for even for a moment, like, it's, it's almost like he has his little drone that's videotaping and putting an extra spotlight on him, despite the lighting designer's uh, <laughs> uh, design. And so there's a little fit about that, but everyone's quiet because they're trying to do the show. But I think he's got, like, those really cool looking, like, fuzzy pants, right? Mm-hmm. That unlike a harness, because Bobby is of legal age, <laughs> um, you know, I want to make sure that if I'm going to like mildly sexualize a character, it might as well be uh, of legal age, just in case. Yeah, and and like especially because Coda is a character that like had an arc about growing up and has like been around for a while, as yeah. existing as a character in media for a while now. I, it feels right to me. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Go listen to Aftershocks. <laughs> So like harness, fuzzy like armlets, and I think it's like all pink on top, like pink and purple on top of it. So it's just like as flamboyant as possible, showing as much skin as he possibly can, and then with just like you know all the makeup. So <laughs> he is he is garish. Right later, you'll come out with the pair of like donkey ears added to this ensemble. Yeah, but that's the only change because he refused to cover <laughs> up his face. Yeah, so you you put on the leg warmers immediately. You're like, I'm just gonna go out like this first. It's too colorful not to do this this way. <laughs> they have you know a matinee performance for the more mild scenes with a different cast, but this is this is the oh, yeah, evening no, this... production at the park. This is for production sure, after dark. Sure. Right, this is uh, for teenagers and adults. All right, awesome. So we are going to have the moment with Titania, a.k.a. Uncle Patrick, coming on stage for the first time and looking absolutely glorious in his drag sona. And would you describe what he is wearing for us, Kaylee? Oh, you want me to describe Uncle Patrick, what Uncle Patrick's wearing? I thought I'd give you the opportunity as your PC. If not, I can take over. Yeah, I have no idea. All I know is that Ryan literally screams, Oh my god, Patrick! As soon as Patrick comes on. Like, treating this as if it's like a rock concert is just like, Yeah! And there's like some <laughs> some looks from... <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Celis looks a bit surprised. Like, like, a bit taken aback by like the cheering that Ryan has for her uncle. And uh, she kind of looks at him and is like, is that your uncle there? Uh, without even looking away from Uncle Patrick, who I'm sure Justin is about to describe as, like, beautiful, Ryan is just like, yes, 
oh, that's... And then realizing, oh, I've met this man before. As Uncle Patrick makes his debut as Titania, the fairy queen, he has an elegant blonde wig on that softly curls down, a beautiful white shimmery dress. His eyes and makeup are done to be very sparkly, very shimmery, very pride with some lavender accents. A definite nod to Ryan in support of her efforts on the Lavender Legends. The gown has a veil and she as the fairy queen is attended by her courtiers behind her and has a nice little mossy beard. Uncle Patrick did not want to shave for this performance and no one asked him to. Where would the glitter beard gel go if there wasn't a beard there, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think Ryan's holding the Tupperware of cookies under your face. Like, tell us. Do you do you, do you want another one? Uh, uh yeah yeah. Um, uh, what does your uncle do exactly? Oh, he uh, he's just a bartender when he's not, you know. And then like points and like, ah, like you know, like, well, yeah. He kind of looks like uh, he kind of looks like Jack Black, don't you think? Right, sort of like uh, turns his head and sort of like squints a bit, and he's like, yeah. Maybe. Daisy pipes up and says, I don't know. Kind of looks more like Pedro Pascal. (laughs) I I don't see Pedro Pascal. I see more Jack Black. (laughs) Ryan's like, don't tell him either of those things. His head would get so big. I think Jimmy says, I kind of see Kaivan Novak. Wait, who? It's who does what in the darkness, you know? It's it's pretty good. It's new. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's a what we do in the shadows plug. Nandor the Relentless. I had to sneak that in there. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to a show with three Panman characters. <laughs> I do think at this point we're going to catch up with Frankie, who is sweating and panting heavily and not keeping it together in the dressing room. I am like 99% sure I told someone to get him some water. Or a vodka. <laughs> I, now I can't remember which one, but I'm 99% sure I said something. Now Frankie's kind of stumbling over to you. He's a fairly average-looking white guy, curly brown hair, freckles. Bobby, I, I don't know if I'm going to get through this here. How, how do you keep so calm? First of all, if you are actually sick, please remain at least six feet away. Like, social distance would be lovely. Thank you so much, honey. Second of all, I don't know. I'm sure I'm also nervous. I'm just, like, you know, used to it. His head snaps up and looks at you. You can see in his eyes that this isn't Frankie. There's a pale yellow behind it, and he says, Well, I think I need a little of what you have. And he reaches towards you with a menacing grip. What did I just say about social distance? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he's reaching towards me? Yes. Can I just, like, step back? Because, like, I don't know Frankie well enough to know if this is normal, so I'm not going to assume that it's not. So I'm just going to, like, back away and try not to call too much attention to it. There's kind of like a glimmer coming off of Frankie's hand. You're hit by something hard in the head, and from that point, a vine starts to sprout from my head oh oh yeah sorry if i did not make that clear yeah after frankie goes to mouth something uh no no words come out and you're struck by something hard unexpectedly in the forehead all right 
and it's snaked gotcha. down like your shoulder kind of gripping to like just the nearby scaffolding. There's just one vine that's kind of holding your arm there. Can I like swing on said vine to like get out of immediate grasping range while being like, hey, can I maybe I need that vodka now? Where's that PA? How athletic is Bobby? How athletic is Bobby? That is a great question. Well, Bobby has trained with a group called Saber, so has like combat training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and like has trained to be a hero, so is in good shape and can move. Yeah, I think you're just able to hop up, and as you get up onto the upper scaffolding, you look down, and the glamour that was concealing Frankie just it's fading fast. The form pukes a bunch of glitter and stuff onto the stage. It, it sheds off, and in its place is left a figure that is uh, gender neutral with a messy periwinkle blue bob traditional athenian looking garbs yeah i i think bobby's response is just kind of like ah frankie that's not your cue or your blocking god (laughs) (laughs) justin is the vine like branched out to be visible by the audience yet you know i think that would be a wonderful addition i think actually as you swooped up onto the upper scaffolding the vine snapped And when it did, a second tendril shot out, and the first tendril kind of reached out and tried to reach your arm. And Uh, Yeah, I am not letting this thing touch me. (laughs) Perfect. So one vine shoots up over the edge of the stage and is kind of weaving its way down onto the edge, and the other shoots onto the scaffolding and kind of grips it there. (laughs) Yeah, I think Coda is not going to, like... Since he doesn't know what's going on, I think Coda's going to try and scramble away and also be like, oh my god, when's my next entrance? (laughs) Oh boy. Out in the audience, Ryan, you kind of see this vine come up over the stage. Probably recognize it's out of place. The, The scenery and the scaffolding and the whole stage is set up. It's set to be a forest in Athens, but it's not that convincing. And and you recognize it maybe as a magical vine. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been known to have my own magical, quaint, <laughs> viney, brambly things. So I'm like, what the heck? This moment, you see a fellow Midnighter on stage who, your relationship may be very new, but you do recognize that Cardigan, aka Stitch, aka Helena at this moment is on stage and kind of winking at you. But every time she does, her iris is kind of changing. She's she's trying to signal you in Morse code. Oh, uh, <laughs> Ryan definitely thinks she's <laughs> Ryan definitely <laughs> thinks that she's winking because she's flirting. Um, so Ryan is like starts like leaning forward, and I think was already probably leaning forward a little bit because like Cardigan's up there, and I recognize Cardigan, and I was like, oh man, I didn't realize Cardigan was going to be in this, and and like muttering under his breath and then yeah looks at the vine and just starts like doesn't stand up because like you know she's already super tall so she starts like crawling off the blanket <laughs> and like towards the sea Celis looks over and is like wait where are you going I gotta get a closer look at the uh, stage uh, <laughs> there's a show going <laughs> yeah I think Celis looks over at the vines sees that makes a panicked look at, at her sister, turns to Jimmy and Daisy, and it's like, cover me! 
Yeah, do they, like, scoop up one of the picnic blankets so you can change underneath it? Yeah, I'm gonna say yes. Like a, like a beach change where your friends hold up towels and look, look avert their eyes for you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. As yeah, I think they've practiced this before, right? Like, uh, I think that, like, we have, we have a system in play of, hey, what happens if Refract needs to come to center stage? <laughs> Yeah, so they do that so you can do your superhero quick change. She probably has like a small backpack on her that contains her superhero outfit, which is light purple bodysuit. And then over that is a dress that is a deep purple, but also kind of like space color. It's basically like a bunch of fractal type material, very similar to like backpacks with like all the triangles on them. Yeah, like, it, it, it's really bright when there's a camera flash. Bold of you to assume I know what a camera triangle is. Um, she puts on some boots and some fingerless gloves on the end of her bodysuit, and then her eyes start to change color. They are normally a chocolate brown, but they turn to, like, a amethyst purple as she shimmers a bit and her body changes. Her height shrinks about three inches coincidentally the same height as her sister she gains a lot more of a feminine appearance her chest actually develops out into actual breasts i'm allowed to say the word breasts on here right we do have the explicit rating i don't know if what rating you need for breasts but i think we have it covered okay (laughs) you could you could say titties if you wanted (laughs) i've said worse words yeah (laughs) nice and it's basically like a more feminine version of herself. The last thing that she puts on is a mask that covers her eyes, and then, like, it kind of goes upwards into uh, tips. Uh, the best description that I have for this is akin to DC's Cassandra Kane when she takes on the moniker of Black Bat, as Celis has transformed into the spectacularly radiant Refract. I do love the difference between, like, Celeste, who's, like, must get into superhero costume, and Ryan, who's, like, must crawl towards stage. (laughs) Does not matter if I am a superhero or not, must get closer. All right, perfect. Well, as you are crawling towards the stage, Ryan, you reach the edge in a little section of stairs, and as her scene ends, Stitch as Helena scurries over and says, Hey, Ryan, I know you're here for the show, but... Something's going wrong backstage, and the show must go on. I can't do anything about it. Can you check it out? Ryan is just kind of, like, nodding and, like, am I close to the vine yet? Yeah, I I think it's hanging over near uh, where you're at. It's kind of a tenderly-looking vine with a bulb at the end that has tiny little spindles going out that are reaching over things, but it's primarily one main vine growing down. I would not describe myself as the smartest of superheroes, so I was just going to plan to reach out and touch it. Okay. You just touch it? I'm just going like, yeah, of course, I'll check it out. Touch. I mean, it probably starts wrapping around your hand and growing rapidly up your arm. I think (laughs) it's probably really fast and startling, and I'm going to ask you to mark the afraid condition if you haven't already. God damn (laughs) <laughs> does ryan say anything when this happens fuck no uh <laughs> <laughs> we are allowed to say it 
I called Sam a dick in my first episodes. <laughs> Does it feel just like a a plant? Are you assessing the situation? Ooh. Whoa, that would be new for Ryan, but yes, I think I am. <laughs> Roll plus superior. Uh, where is the moonflower when you need her? Um, that is a nine minus one, which is an eight. All right. On a seven and nine, ask one. The list is what here can I use to blank? What here is the biggest threat? What here is in the greatest danger? Who here is the most vulnerable to me? And how could we best end this quickly? I'm like, I know what a smarter character would do, but what would Ryan do? Um, I was going to say, what here can I use to get like the vine off me? Yeah free myself refract i'm sorry is the answer refract (laughs) yeah i think there are several possible answers to that i think ryan as the bull is pretty strong and i think this is a spindly little vine and i think ryan that's true could pull her arm out of it um or break it i think ryan could activate her powers maybe i won't have to use any of them depending on what refract is about to do (laughs) yeah uh should i uh yeah, jump okay. in. Okay, so first off, I want to use a Janus move, the mask. Uh, once per session, I can either affirm my heroic or secret identity to switch my mundane with the my character's uh, mask label, which in this case is Savior. Uh-huh. I think that Refract shouts out, Hey Vine, anybody told you to pick on someone your own species? affirming her heroic identity with a quip to swap her savior and her mundane. The vine, the bulby end, kind of turns towards you rapidly, as if it heard and understood you, and has unwoven itself from Ryan and is, it's actually just rapidly gone towards you and kind of shoved you back into a nearby tree. Um, are, are you fully crystallized yet? So, her abilities are energy absorption, which I have basically taken to being her being able to absorb any type of energy and then shoot it back as an energy blast. And then substance mimicry, which is listed as crystal on my notes. And essentially, like, she's able to turn parts of her body into crystal. She does not turn her full, like, body into crystal. Okay, in that case, you hit the tree behind you pretty hard, as this vine did not take kindly to the insult, and I'm going to have to ask you to take a powerful blow. Oh no. Well, uh, luckily I have zero conditions, so... uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's 2d6 plus conditions marked. Alright. Does this imply that y'all are the same species? That is a 7. Uh, not good. I mean, it it always could be worse. On a 7 to 9, you choose 1. Uh, You lash out verbally, provoke a teammate to foolhardy action, or take advantage of your influence to inflict a condition, give ground, your opposition gets an opportunity, or you struggle past the pain and mark two conditions. I think that, like, this catches Celis off balance. She's going to give ground. Absolutely. That that totally makes sense. So as the vine knocks you back, it, it takes this opportunity to kind of take root in the area it lands in the ground and uh, three more vines kind of sprout out and shoot out towards the audience a little bit you do see one of the vines wrap around a kid's leg and kind of start pulling it in i'm gonna turn my uh forearm into crystal and just kind of 
use it as a makeshift knife to kind of cut the vine and then just quickly grab the kid to get him away from the vine. Yeah, absolutely. I think you quickly cut through that vine and this one for some reason doesn't doesn't branch off and kind of shrivels back to the main arm. I feel like I've uh, at some point during this like made eye contact with Bobby. Where has Bobby headed off to after, you know, what was Frankie shedding a glamour and becoming something else entirely? Bobby has gone to find the stage manager. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby finds her pretty easily. I think she's always kind of aware of Bobby's orbit. It's like, Uh yeah, Bobby, what do you have now? I I have spent so much time managing what you're doing. What do you got for me? I mean, first of all, if you have a problem with that, hire a company manager. But also, Frankie's probably going to miss his entrance because he, like, changed form or something. And also, there's a vine running amok backstage, which is, like, kind of your purview. So, I came to tell you, you're welcome. Frankie, I am chasing down 50 other issues. Could you handle this one for me? You're capable. You know what you're doing. You are a professional. Do I, though? Like, look look at me. Do I look like... Do I do I look like a professional? Like, look at me. Do I look like I can handle anything right now when I'm about to perform? I think she is trying to shift his labels. Oh, yeah. Up his superior and tell him how the world works and that, you know, he's capable. He can handle this. But lower his danger because he's the least of her worries right now. And so what happens if I accept or deny? I can't remember. If you accept, your labels are shifted and nothing else necessarily happens. You have a different view on your world. And if you reject you, that's a roll. All right. I'm just going to accept it. All right. I'm just going to like, I think after a moment, Bobby's like, you're right. I am a professional and I could (laughs) probably handle this. And then like, we'll look to like the drone camera and be like, see, I can handle this. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll go look for Frankie. Yeah. And I think we'll make eye contact with Ryan and be like, oh, stage manager, there's also like a civilian backstage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I bet you can handle that too, right? You know what? I bet I could. Hey, civilian. Hi. How are you? What are you doing back here? (laughs) I think Ryan (laughs) is gonna just borrow his brow a little bit because how dare you talk to me like that but also point over at where refract is and where the vines are and just be like there was a problem with that furrow did maybe a bull move activate i don't want to presume but am i your rival now (laughs) Uh, probably (laughs) 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 okay let's do that you, I mean, you're the final arbiter there, but it just seemed like maybe, you know, Ryan had acquired a new rival. It was time. Yeah, Bobby now has influence over me, so enjoy that. Yay. It's like, so you're here to, like, help with the vines and also that, oh, a sparkler. Great. Someone who is drawing more attention than me. Okay, good to know. Okay, noted. Okay. Uh, but you're here to handle the vines. That's great. That's one of my problems, too. I'm also looking for someone who, like, turned into, like, a fairy or something. Which I guess makes sense. It's Midsummer Night's Dream. Like, I get it. Thematic. Cool. But, like, um, the show, like, still has to go on. And I have an entrance eventually. I have no idea where we are in the script. Uh, God, this show doesn't have a script PA. Okay, well, um, you have big muscles. How big are those biceps, by the way? Could you help me with these vines? <laughs> of course I could. 
That's what we love to hear. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, 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 go. Yeah, cool. I think you said exactly the right thing to Ryan. <laughs> Complimented <laughs> his biceps and he was like, um, yes, I can handle this. So I think he just kind of goes like, oh, yeah, like, of course, I will use my muscles. Duh. And then like runs off towards where Refract is. The page turns and all three of you converge backstage to where Bobby has led you. The uh, mysterious individual is coming around and is brushing themselves off and uh, whimsically flicks their hair and says, uh, Finally, you're back. It's so hard to get good help. So my name is Their Majesty. That is how you may address me. I thought I'd be a part of the show, but it turns out I cannot nail a Frankie. So... I'm going to make myself the spectacle. That is what is about to happen. Can you help me with that, or are you going to get out of my way? There is a sparkling girl, and you, fairy, glamorous, apparently, like, I came here to be, like, the guest star, like, the ampersand, all right? Can everyone please stop showing You're me off? You're dealing with a villain attack right now. Mind getting your head in the game? A relatively minor villain of no import, all right? Like a common cry of curs whose breath I hate kind of villain. You know what I mean? Like, beneath us. Also, re I mean, random citizen, it's too dangerous here. You should go back to the seat. I'll handle this. I mean, Ryan's not going to do that. <laughs> Are you susceptible to that at all? Like, do you think that would push a label rejection from you, or? I think so. I think, I, th I feel like Ryan is susceptible to influence from like literally every hot femme <laughs> <laughs> that's such a mood <laughs> how are you trying to shift ryan's labels oh damn i got put on the spot i'd say mundane up and danger down because because mm -hmm. refract does not like refract probably doesn't know at this point that ryan has powers and yeah. does not want them to be hurt partially because person without powers facing against a cosmic being of some kind but also celis really likes ryan from the amount that they got to hang out and it seemed like ryan was interested in her yeah definitely yeah so do you accept or reject that there oh i'm rejecting for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's a flat roll does, so, I have Insecure marked from the other, like, timeline. Oh, minus two? <laughs> I rolled a three, so... Okay. Hmm. <laughs> How do you want to shift their labels? So, on a miss, their words hit you hard. And I think this, this plays in line with Ryan's unfortunate series of having people tell her how the world works. And it not necessarily going well. Ryan is a big old softie, as we've talked about. Big fists, bigger heart. This here is, it's going to lower your savior and and it's going to up your mundane. So yeah, Ryan, um, you kind of take that hard. What do you do in response? Ryan is much more likely to lash out than to accept anything. <sighs> um, I think so what Ryan is going to do is rip off his dress and reveal his little super suit underneath. <laughs> all right give us a quick little rundown of what ryan looks like in his super suit and why it looks so badass <laughs> ryan's super suit is basically like it looks kind of like a swimsuit like it's a pretty classic one piece uh it's green it's got like a little spiral of like 
thorny things in the middle of the chest that's in purple. Normally, um, she also does have like a mask, but she doesn't have it on her because like she used the the hammer space for the cookies. Feel like refract like blinks a little bit and realizes, oh shit, I just uh, I just told a superhero to like go away, and she's like, uh, oh, uh, wait, you're 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 a superhero? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, sorry, I, I... Yeah, I, wasn't it obvious, says the person who completely missed that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I didn't know. I just saw, I just saw them in distress, and I went to... I'm sorry, I, that was completely my bad. Uh, mind helping me out here? Oh, touchy-feely sweet. This is taking far too long. <laughs> Oh my god, you're still here. Oh my god, you're still here. Why are you talking? We're having a moment. <laughs> there can only be one star. Yeah, well, right now, we're not going to deal with a villain like you. Celis is going to... She hasn't gotten a full grasp on her powers, but she's going to definitely try to summon up an energy bolt from her hand to blast at uh, their majesty. All right. Are you attempting to directly engage a threat? Like, either that or unleash my powers. Alright, well, say, let's let Siobhan be the fundamental arbiter as our wonderful <laughs> rules concierge here. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Walk me through what's happening one more time. Okay, so, Their Majesty, you said? Yes, Their Majesty, also known as Jewel, 723rd, in line to the Feywilds. Um, they flourish their hand and bow deeply as they're addressing Refract and says, Yes! I am Jewel's Waykeeper, the Gatekeeper, mind you. I decide who comes and goes from these realms. Or I did. I esteem to that stature again. Did you lose the key, Master? No. I lost my wings. Or more they were taken. It's not important. It's not important right now. So their majesty interrupted, and then Celis is like, we're not going to let a villain like you interrupt the show and then aimed a energy bolt straight at their majesty. Oh yeah, that sounds like a directly engaged to me. Sounds good to me. Mmm, that's a five. All right. I do think we are going into battle against a potentially dangerous foe here, though. I believe we need to make our, our team move here. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. Who is the leader here? This will be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that it's it's either Ryan or Celis, because I do not think that Bobby is the leader. Oh, don't what give me does... any responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bobby thinks the stage manager is the leader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think, Kaylee? I think um, because of the way I failed to resist your label shift that I, that Refract is in charge, is the leader. <laughs> That's fair. Good point. Okay. okay. I don't think that Refract has influence over every member of the team. Uh, no, I nope. definitely do not. <laughs> what is Ryan's purpose in the fight? Ryan wants to save the show. And what is uh, Bobby's purpose in the fight? <laughs> to get rid of the their majesty. And uh, what is Refract's purpose? Uh, Refract's purpose is to save the show and stop the villain. 
All right. So I think that's all the same. So that's a um, two team thus far, because one for start of session, one for everyone having the same purpose. Does anyone mistrust the leader or the team? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're at one team. Do you believe that your team is ill prepared or off balance? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. I think I think that, that Refract is pretty prepared for this. Okay, but is Bobby prepared? <laughs> yep. Uh, Bobby is never prepared. <laughs> yeah, okay, so we're at two. Uh, which one is the leader able to mark a condition to keep from losing a team? For any of them. Okay, would you like to uh, mark a condition to keep one of those team in the pool there, Celeste? I'm going to mark guilty. Because she is feeling kind of bad about, like, telling Ryan, oh, you shouldn't be here. And then, like, eating humble pie when it's like, oh, this person that I've been interacting with is actually a superhero. All right, so we have three team in the pool. Did you already make that roll plus danger? Yep, it was a five. It was a five. All right, are we going to spend two of the only three team in the pool to bring that up <laughs> to a pass, or are, are we leaving that to let it lie? I'm down to let it lie. <laughs> All right. Well, it was nice knowing you were cracked. <laughs> so as Celeste fires up and gets ready for this bolt, um, what does it look like on the comic panel? Okay, so the way I imagined Celis using her powers is it's very akin to to Starfire from Teen Titans. And it's like kind of like her eyes glow a bit brighter and like a purple energy bolt kind of forms in her hand as she just like thrusts her hand forward to blast it at their majesty, Jewel, whatever the rest of it was. Absolutely. Jewel Gatekeeper. Their Majesty, as they are known. They kind of chuckle and says, <laughs> Yes, yes, magic power, it is what it is. They kind of flutter their hand. Your missile skips just past them. And with the other hand, they flourish forward and flick. And a ball of light is now sailing towards Coda. I'll show you how it's really done, honey. This ball of light is now very quickly going to collide with you, Coda. Yeah, can I move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can try to dodge. What does it look like? You know what? I think because it's like a ball of light and we don't know what it do, I think uh, Coda is just going to like drop to the floor. Yeah, you're just going to duck. Yeah, it absolutely. It, it, it sails right overhead and collides with one of the faux tree set pieces and kind of has like a little magic-y implosion. And it does engulf about a quarter of the set up high. And I think a custom move has triggered. Ooh. Uh-oh. This custom move is called The Show Must Go On. When you find yourself in danger of interrupting the performance, choose a stat to roll with, but you must justify why it is the most dramatic choice for your character. The GM is the final arbiter. So with this big implosion, uh, you all are aware now, oh, this might interrupt the show. Yeah, I think with the big implosion, Bobby will want to hop over to where it is like where it just exploded mm -hmm. and just start going like sweet moon i thank thee for thy sunny beams i thank thee moon for shining now so bright for by thy gracious golden glittering gleams i trust to take of truest thisby sight and just starts like doing more bottom lines 
Yeah, I definitely think that triggers the custom move. In this case, what would be the most dramatic option for you to roll as your character, and why? Uh, since it's an acting thing, I feel like it's superior. <laughs> um, and I think I I don't know if this is possible, but can I also invoke my time for the show move at the same time? Uh, how's that move go? So it's when I put on a flamboyant display of my powers, so I think I will amplify my voice to, like, say those lines to cover up anything else happening, including, like, any other fallout from the implosion. And then I roll plus superior on that, which I think I wanted to roll anyways. And then I would be able to name NPCs who either volunteer help or information or just express adoration. Yeah, I think if that roll goes successful, then we'll give you a, a plus one on the falling move. Great. Does that sound good? Yeah. Sounds good. And so I roll, that's an 8 plus 3, and I have no conditions, so that's an 11. Yeah, so read me the outcomes for that one more time. On a 10 plus, I name two NPCs present, and the named NPCs must either volunteer help or information, express adoration, or ask for my help. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's mostly to cover up right now, and I think I want to... uh just for drama's sake, like Celine and Uncle Patrick, who are also probably back or on stage. I think they both, like, expertly go off of this and improv. They're like, that's strange, but you know what? I'm gonna hand that up, too. And Perfect. maybe the um the stage manager, like, tipped them off that, like, Bobby's doing something weird, and they're like, you know what? We want to at least make it so that it, whatever Bobby's doing doesn't mess up the show. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, and so I think that works great. So yeah, that'd be a plus one to uh, the show must go on, right? I will roll superior with that then. Which is, oh my god, so I rolled an 11 with All plus right. three, so that's 14 plus one. So that's a 15. That's like the highest roll I've ever done in masks. All right, so on a 10 plus, pick one. By some skill, cunning, or miracle, you go entirely unnoticed at a team to the pool. Or, you are noticed, but the performance is enhanced by your presence. Take influence over performer or the audience. Uh, it's obviously the latter. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. It's Shakespeare in the Pride Park, so it's just being, like, extra weird and extra flamboyant, and I think the audience eats it up. Yeah. This all goes off so well that the light explosion seems as if it was planned, theatrically timed perfectly, and this was a grand entrance to... Uh, the start of the second act. Who would you like to take influence over? The audience. Oh, perfect. All right. They are absolutely just putty in your hands as Coda kills this delivery as bottom and just comes in and saves the show. While he's doing this, what are Ryan and Celeste up to? You know, the dress has been discarded. There has been an explosion. Bobby has gone off onto the stage. Everything is happening. Ryan's just going to uh, run at their majesty, with a big old plant fist, as is their normal move. We just run. Yeah. Okay, just running straight at Jewel, bramble fist raised and ready? Yep. Yeah, roll it directly engage for us. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I rolled a four plus three, that is a seven. All right. Yeah, on a seven, that's not too bad. Mm. Uh, you get to choose one, I believe. Oh, wait, it's actually, because I'm afraid, it's actually a five. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> oh, no. Uh, That is less. I can lend a team, but I 
can't lend to. <laughs> That's okay. It's fun when Ryan fails at things. All right. Yeah, so you are running right at their majesty with your big old plant fist. And how does their majesty react? Their majesty is not well-versed in combat and flourishes their wrist and goes to snap. But they screw it up and they're teleported closer to you. Freak out momentarily and say, oh god, not that. They duck and a seed pouch at their side falls and outscatter roughly ten or so hydrinous vine seeds from the Fey Wilds. And they start to sprout wildly in all directions. They are visible from on stage, through the uh, scaffolding, and a couple of them have now latched onto you, Ryan. What do you do? The audience oohs and ahs as the Feywilds are appearing on stage. This is probably during one of the dreamlike sequences as Puck is going around the world to get the magical flower to either anoint or unanoint the lover's eyes. At this point, no one knows. Oh boy. Just one of the incredible effects from this nondescript play in the park that no one expected that has wild, spectacular meta effects going on. Did, is, so is Stitch playing Puck right now as well? Because this was Puck, right? Stitch has been shifting and morphing herself into every person who has been missing or displaced because of this. Um, <laughs> Stitch is frantic, and that is the main reason Stitch has not interacted. Stitch is the definition of the show must go on and... <laughs> She's having a time of it trying to keep it all together as her first performances run wild, but that's what she's doing. <laughs> she's in the background frantically, her needle dashing around. I was going to say she's really regretting asking Ryan to help here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go, Jenny. Yeah, I, I'm curious what Celine's rea reaction to all this is. If Celine is very attached to the performance... She's probably not having a time of it. She's on stage at the moment because she's been helping Coda along with Uncle Patrick kind of try to salvage this production. Also because I think the Vines have cut off their ability to probably exit stage right and stage left. So, Oh yeah, that's a um, really good point. Wildly performing on stage. And this is a play where things happen on different levels. The fairies are interacting on higher levels of the stage and the lovers in the forest are acting on lower levels. So... There's a little bit of separation. They can kind of duck behind things, but the audience is still captivated. Coda is killing it, but there is a level of suspension of disbelief that is about to snap into with all that's going on backstage. I think that Celine is scared, but she's also trying her best to like work with her co-star. It's a weird day for her. The production team, while they don't have time to process this, um, the producer is to the side. Her hands are going wild. Um, this was not what was meant to happen. Yeah, as they're freaking out, Ryan is caught up in these vines. Coda is keeping it together on stage. And uh, what are you doing, Celeste, as uh, their majesty is kind of crawling away through a backstage door to the side as vines are sprouting up everywhere? One of my moves I have is I'll save you which is reveal your secret identity to someone watching or mark a condition to defend a loved one as if you rolled a 12 plus. How does that look on the comic panel? Who are you revealing your secret identity to? I'm going to say Ryan, if that's okay. Uh, yeah, that sounds okay. I'm also like, we're in one-shot territory, so the definition of loved one uh, is very good and loose here. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they shared a tender moment with each other and Definitely. I definitely think it's justified. Yeah. So to I use think that, that like I think that as Ryan is wrestling with 
these vines, you see a comic panel of one of them, like, very dramatically showing up and, like, darting straight towards Ryan. And Refract goes, Ryan, look out! And, like, is going to slash at the vine with her arm. But in the process, it knocks off her mask as she, like, falls off to the side. And Ryan will see Celis's face... Look, Ryan is not smart, but Ryan knows hot girls. Those <laughs> stick in his head. So I think immediately, yeah, he's just like, oh, so I I guess I don't have to feel bad about abandoning you back there then. Refract looks up and is like, oh, are, are you okay? And then realizes, oh, God, my mask. Oh, no, 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 no. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. First off, I am not Celine Rockwell. Do not get her involved in this. Oh, and then Ryan does, like, really big pantomime wink. Yeah, I, I get it. Mm -hmm. She gives a bit of a sigh, and it's like, I guess it's only fair that you know as well. And she, like, grabs her mask to put it back on, and it's like, I am refract. Were you revealing a vulnerability or weakness right there? Oh, I think that I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Read what that move is for the Giannis. So a couple of things. So when my secret identity is revealed to someone, I gain a potential. And when you share a vulnerability or weakness with someone, tell them a secret about who you really are. Give them influence and shift your mundane up and savior down. I don't know if the secret that we are giving is that Celis is refract, but... Honestly, I'm willing to share more. If you want to share more, that's fine, too. You are being, you know, you just ripped Ryan away from the vines. They are going to grow back towards you eventually, but you're safe in the moment. She just says, I'm sorry, I didn't really say anything. Well, I mean, to be fair, what could I say? Oh, hey, I'm a superhero. How, how would you like to team up and get captured by Farsec or some crap like that? I don't I just... I didn't ask for these powers, but at the same time, the fact that I got them, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. There are people out there that do some pretty terrible things. People like the ones who turned me into me. And I want to just use these powers for good and make sure that no kid has to deal with what I had to deal with. You know what I mean? Ryan is crying. Uh, <laughs> this is Ryan's move. Ryan gets emotional. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan's got, like, tears in his eyes and has completely forgotten that they're fighting a supervillain right now. And is just like, can I give you a hug? Refract is taken aback a bit and then just whimpers a bit and gives a nod. Ryan, can you comfort and support? I'm going to attempt to comfort and support. <laughs> and you get the, the bonus because of having influence. Don't forget to add one. God, what am I doing today? That's a four plus my mundane is two, so that's six plus one is seven. So seven. It's a hit. Right. It's a hit. <laughs> On a hit, they hear you. They mark potential queer condition or shift labels if they open up to you, which they did already. Uh, so I'm going to unmark guilty then. Hell yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I mean, I think because you got a 10 plus on reshaping your environment as your crystal blade slices through the vines that are getting ryan you're able to just deftly cut several more in the area and a large portion of the seeds that were dropped 
are neutralized and there's only kind of a, a couple still snaking their way around the stage, but they're they're largely contained for the moment due to your efforts. Oh, right. Coda, you also have a moment to sneak away. You've just finished the scene between Bottom and Titania where she's had her eyes anointed and she falls, you know, deeply in love with you, which makes even more sense. There's not much of a joke in it with how wonderful you are and how much you've killed it. But <laughs> even still, that that moment has happened and you've now been able to escape off stage to rejoin the others as you notice Jewel has just crept off stage through one of the backstage doors. Uh, so I noticed Jewel escaping. You can, you've, you can see Celeste and Ryan are just having a big hug while a supervillain escapes. Uh, <laughs> great. I'll look over and be like, Celine and uh, Muscles, where did like f- beloved singer-songwriter Jewel go? It It's Refract. Okay, Refract, big wink, like, uh, just don't miss your next <laughs> entrance, alright? <laughs> she like puts on her mask and is like, Oh, crap, Baskets. I don't want to get her involved in this. Take another potential. (laughs) I thought I was the only hero acting here today, but apparently there were two. So, like, fine, I have to keep sharing my spotlight, but whatever. Okay, let's go find this fairy. Stitch (sighs) weaves herself overhead real quick and says, three. There's three here. Oh, my God. That makes it worse. (laughs) As she darts across... uh one of the wires and takes her place as Puck on stage. I mean, okay, so that's amazing. Ready to go take down a supervillain? Ryan is striking the pose as he always does, and he's like, always? No, I just wanted to interject that. Also, the jury's out on super. She rolls <laughs> her eyes and says, by the by, what's your superhero name? Oh, I'm uh, Mighty Briar. Awesome. Let's go. As you rush off stage, uh, the three of you gathered together, you find the patch of woods behind the amphitheater in the stage, and it's kind of a little tightly wooded area. There's some maples, but there's a lot of cedar and pine and small evergreen trees, so they're kind of brushing against you and grabbing at your costumes and your clothing as you move through, and you come to a small clearing. Jewel is there. They are marking up the ground. They have about three quarters of a circle drawn, and there's some uh, glowing runes. What do you do? That's probably not good. We should probably stop them. Koda will start singing in, like, four-part acapella with himself, Who Will Save Your Soul by Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Is that directly engaging? Uh, provoking. <laughs> I'll roll whatever you want. I mean, if you want to use that to provoke, but that's using your powers, right? So, like, it's probably pretty intimidating if there's anything you're, like, trying to ask this villain to do with it. Especially after the stunning performance you put on, they did state before that they just wanted to be in the show. So, the fact that you've just been killing it on stage while they couldn't hack it, they're susceptible to your words. Great. Uh, I mean, I'm just singing Jewel at them, so, like, whatever I should roll, let me know. Yeah, I mean, so are you trying to get the character to do something specific, because then we can provoke, or? I wish I were trying to do something specific, but Bobby is literally just being an ass. Okay. (laughs) Ah, very fitting. Okay, well, I guess then we're just gonna ask everyone else what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Celis looks over at uh, Ryan and says, Tag team? Yeah, you said that at the exact right 
time because Ryan was just about to run in and try and punch again. So, uh, sure. What did you have in mind? Well, it looks like they're making some sort of magic circle. I feel like if we break their concentration, we'll be able to stop the incantation or whatever's going on. So I'm thinking we punch the problem as hard as we can. That is my specialty. It's not mine, but I have the tools for it as, like, she holds up a fist and, like, since she has fingerless gloves, you can see, like, the, like, her fingers turning to crystal. Oh my god, would you two just kiss already? Like, so much flirting. And not enough flirting with me. And while you've been doing this, Jewel has nearly completed the circle. <laughs> um, the final rune is being inscribed at this very moment. Okay, go, go, go. Punch, 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 punch. So I think Ryan, Ryan will make, make her little ramble fist and give you a fist bump as she runs in to try to punch. Oh yeah, definitely. And as you're trying to do this, you encounter a wall of like glowing blue energy as it erupts from the circle, and you find yourself against a very hard barrier, almost as if it's hard light in front of you. Straight into a, like, like a cat into a glass door? Is that what happens to me? Does the bull have a move for this? Um. Can't you, I'm the juggernaut bitch this, like, can't you just like break <laughs> through everything? It's called physics, what physics? Yeah. When you unleash your powers to barrel through an insurmountable barrier, roll plus danger instead of plus freak. Yeah, direct impact has that. <laughs> so, uh, roll to unleash your powers with danger to see what happens when you come up against this large looming obstacle. And I do want to also mention that this pillar of light is extending into the sky, possibly even visible from on stage. Oh boy. So that's a 13. Oh All my right. god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's unleash your powers, yeah. Yeah, your bramble fist just comes up, wraps around your arm. You're quick enough, and it shatters against this hard light. Jules' magic is weak against the bramble brawler of the burbs. It just shatters, and you are through it, and you hit the ground running. I think I make a whoop noise. <laughs> is that a triumphant celebration? Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always celebrating before we've even won anything. What is the text for triumphant celebration in the bowl, though? When you share a triumphant celebration with someone, make them your love or rival immediately to mark potential. If they're already your love or rival, take influence over them and mark potential. That doesn't need words, so that can happen while you're cheering because you broke through the barrier. If you want it to. I'm trying to decide if I should make Celeste my love or their majesty my rival we did have that tender moment yeah i think i'll make you my love <laughs> have some influence over ryan Woo. yeah and i you know you you broke through that barrier so it's open for anyone else who also wants to cross it oh yeah celis is charging like right behind all right what does that look like on the comic panel we have a panel of ryan smashing through the wall and giving like a woo as Refract kind of runs right beside them. She basically has his back as she's looking around on all sides. Are you assessing the situation there? I might. <laughs> Alright. That's a roll plus superior. Okay. That is a seven. On a hit, I believe you choose one. 
How can we best end this quickly? One thing I think is interrupting the summoning circle before anything gets through. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a way to end this faster. Um, yes. I don't know. This character ran away for a reason. I think you can all take them as long as you don't let whatever this other thing is being summoned gets here. Celeste also notices that they are kind of panting and on the ground and it's just saying, No, Mother's not going to be pleased with this. this. This wasn't how it was supposed to go. This was supposed to be a spectacle. It was supposed to be big. You notice that they're talking to a crow on the ground. May I make a quip? Yeah. You asked for a spectacle. Well, here's the showstopper. I'm going to directly engage a threat, and I am going to be using my third move, Game Face. Ooh. So, when you commit yourself to saving someone or defeating a terrible enemy, mark one condition and gain plus one ongoing to all roles in direct pursuit of that goal. So, I am going to mark Angry, and I think it's time to directly engage a threat. All right. I do believe that I gain a plus one because I am acting on the uh, information that I got. Yes. Nice. So that's a plus two. Oh, that's a 12. That's a 12 on the dice. That makes 14. All right. Pick two from the list on uh, directly engage a threat. Oh, God. What, what do I even go for? I think I'm going to impress, surprise, or frighten the enemy. And I'm going to give a critical opportunity to to my allies. Okay, perfect. So Celeste comes in. You're striking them with a crystal fist, correct? Yes. <laughs> All right. That just strikes across Jules' face. They are absolutely terrified. You can see it in their eyes and they're like holding up their hands. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. And just thud. And they are knocked out cold. The critical opportunity that the team gains is as Jules' eyes and kind of the light behind them go cold as they are knocked unconscious, there is a loud squawking and a caw of a crow, the crow on the ground that they were speaking to. As it begins to grow and glow with red runes, Ryan and Coda kind of have a moment to see as it's, it's looming above Celeste about to snatch her in its claws. Uh-oh. It is maxing out at three stories tall, and it lets out a, a terrifying, shrieking cry. I was just going to gently poke Ryan and be like, go, 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 that's your signal. <laughs> You're not going to help? I'm always helping. Well, all right, then. It's a bird, right? The crow. Yeah, it's a giant crow. By the by, since I defeated Jewel, does that mean that the end of Game Face activates? Yeah. Alright, another potential. Marking them up. What am I going to do? What can I do against a giant crow? I feel like the last time I faced something giant, it wasn't quite this big. Ryan has a lot of facets. They're not all fists. I'm afraid of being eaten by the bird, though. <laughs> Just a little flower boy. Don't eat me. I think, because what is it doing? It, it's about to get refract, right? It's trying to eat refract. It's trying to grab with, with talons. It, it looks like it's it's picking up its foot to grab refract as she's distracted. 
in the moment and still relishing her her successful hit on Jewel. I think I'm gonna um try to like tackle her out of the way, defend her really, but like, yeah, it sounds like you're trying to defend Celeste. There, I think that is a roll plus savior. I also have insecure, so it's a minus two. <laughs> oh no! And it, was it savior as well? But you get the plus one for influence. Okay. I rolled a six. I was also going to point out that uh, since Jules been knocked out, none of the vines are growing at this point anymore. They've kind of halted in their progress. So I rolled a six minus two is four plus one is five. And then what is it? Savior? Yes. Yeah. Then it's minus two. So it's a three. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Right. I can't. I can't spend that much team. Oh, do they each get one in each talent now? <gasps> Yes, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. <laughs> so this crow glittering in red runes that's three stories tall just grabs Celeste in one talon and its wings flutter and buffet and it lifts off, swooping forward and grabs you, Ryan, in its second talon and is starting to rise in altitude. Coda, what do you do? As the teammates are being swooped away, I think there's a moment where Coda like pinches the bridge of his nose and is like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I have to do everything." And then, uh, <laughs> then is like, "Okay, but the stage manager said I can handle this. I'm a professional." So from Jewel to Cheryl Crow, here we go, <laughs> and is going to internally apologize to Ryan and uh, Salas, but then let out like a sonic scream to stun the the crow. Yeah. Do you think this is more of a directly engage, hoping to take something, or a defend? I think... Because you could do either I, for this. I feel like it's a defend, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Could you also take a second to describe your powers, as this is the first time they're appearing on the comic panel for the readers. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting I have those. I've been so busy acting. Stellar acting <laughs> is my power. Coda, as a star, actually has really strong sonic control. And so typically when I think Coda did the three-part acapella with himself earlier singing jewel songs, uh, that was just like a teaser. So this is like amplifying and like really fortifying the concussive force behind the sound. But it's also in, like, a flawless, like, three-part harmony of his own voice harmonizing with himself. Sounds really good. <laughs> How well-known is Coda? Coda is a star <laughs> and has a several, like, tens of thousands, I think at least, like, Instagram followers, or I think Instagram from Moon Harbor. So it's, like, not just a star, but it's, like, a social media sensation, like TikToks, Vines, everything. Yeah, it's probably on a lot of forums. I'm conflicted on how Refract feels about you. Because on one hand, oh. she is a big fan of superheroes. On the other hand, she's not a fan of assholes. Yeah, you can think whatever you like. All your emotions <laughs> empower me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that she's like, you know, it'd be really cool if he wasn't such a dick. A common consensus. So the reader gets a panel of this thought bubble coming up from the claws of this giant crow as Celeste is thinking about this and not at all the fact that she has been gripped by a giant avian creature. <laughs> it's how she copes. 
It's like Spider-Man. Yeah, and I think there was definitely a lot of publicity built into this event because this is all happening in the backdrop of the uh, Accountability and Superhuman Safety Act being passed in New Olympus, which is some pretty draconian regulations against supers, and it's being used widely to just discriminate against people as sweeping legislation often does. So it's affecting more vulnerable communities, and they have actually come together for this production that's the benefit is to essentially fight this act in legislation and provide resources to supers and others who are just being discriminated against in this situation. That's what the uh, LGBTQIA plus community is doing in their efforts here. So maybe, maybe he's not all bad. Yeah, you're here as, you know, like Moon Harbor is a very safe place for superheroes to be. So maybe you're like here a little bit as like an advocate, activist, celebrity situation. <laughs> well, that may be the case. I don't think anyone told Coda. Yeah, like you didn't do it on purpose. You're like, oh, I got books. Yeah, oh, I get to go be in a Shakespeare. Fantastic. <laughs> like, and that was it. That's where, that's as far as he read. Coda, the accidental philanthropist. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, so I will roll to defend. Yes. Right, do you have influence roll. over either person? I have influence over Ryan. I think that's enough to justify getting a plus one here. Okie dokie. Oh, and a good thing we do, because that is a four on the die, plus two for savior, plus one. So that's a six. And then I'm going to selfishly use a team. All right. To pop it up to a seven. And I would like to take my temporary teammates back. <laughs> yeah, shift your own labels, complete that roll, and then... Describe how this inconveniences your teammates that you're saving. So it's loud, and that's why I think Coda like preemptively apologized to them because to get like a three story bird to drop them, it's got to be so loud. So right. I think they are <laughs> probably temporarily like have like the tinnitus. Oof! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes and sense. And on a seven to nine, it costs you expose yourself to danger or escalate the situation, and then you get to pick one of the benefits too. It's add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect, or clear condition. But you got them safe, so they're going to be okay. I'll take influence over Celis, but uh, <laughs> if we 7 to 9, I'm going to escalate the situation. <laughs> I'm going to make right. it worse. yeah. Also, I find it funny that that we can't agree on how Celis' name is pronounced, because I hear Celeste and I hear Celis. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Wait. What's it supposed to be? Sorry, I've probably been doing that wrong consistently. Celis? It's a reference to Final Fantasy VI. Uh, That's what I, I thought. Yeah, in character, Celis grew up playing Final Fantasy, and so she really related to the character of uh, Celis, you know, being a disgraced knight, but is trying to find her place in the world. Yeah, so we'll say Celis. We'll make sure that it's a, it is a trochee, not an I am. Since we're doing Shakespeare. Yeah, it's also us pronouncing your name correctly is like just being respectful of names. Oh, yes, of course. It's Pride Month. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah, we have no problem with that. Sorry, uh, we weren't getting it right earlier. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. If I may jump back in here, Justin, I think that part of the escalating the situation is that this is so loud that people at the play can also hear this beautiful three-part harmony, very loud scream. <laughs> I'm actually going to one-up that there. One of the escalations, and it's actually going to trigger our custom move again, is this large bird does drop you onto the stage. 
That's so you good. <laughs> are now a part of the production, and I'm going to need you both to roll or explain which stat you would like to roll and why it would be the most dramatic choice for your character in this oh moment God. as you are making your premiere in Shakespeare Pride in the Park. I think I'd probably use Savior as it's like, I think Refract would make a big uh, display of it of being like, do not fear citizens, for I, the great Refract, the champion of two worlds, has stopped the Feywild from coming forth into our world and preventing the glorious wedding of Theseus and Hippolyta. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what uh, what stat do you think you will be taking on for uh, your dramatic premiere on stage? Um, you know me. You know Ryan. I think I'm going to use danger. And I think it's because I break something <laughs> all right uh, i feel like i get dropped and just immediately like my shoulder and head go through like a set piece um yeah yeah but you're a hero so it's like a three-point land and yeah i mean it's not your fault you're you know if there were things under your knees and fists you're a hero being dropped from the air about 50 feet up you know mm-hmm <laughs> All right, give us those rolls. Oh, Uncle Patrick's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> oh, definitely. I would like for Coda to assist by yelling, Pose, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> that is an 11. I got a 9. All right. Would you like a team to make that a 10? Uh, I feel like Coda already what? gave me. Coda's... Coda's yell of pose bitches probably gave me some. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. I do have influence. Yeah, so I mean, you both got a 10 plus there. The show is going on, and in spectacular fashion, you both get to uh, choose one. By some skill, cunning, or miracle, you go entirely unnoticed. Add a team to the pool. You are noticed, but the performance is enhanced by your presence. Take influence over a performer or the audience. And just including the performers, we have Uncle Patrick, Celine on stage, Stitches on stage as several characters, and then the audience. And I think Bobby would probably also, if John John agrees, would count as one of the performers on stage. Yeah. Yeah, you, you caught back up. I think it's probably the enhance it. Well, each of you can pick your own thing. So if Ryan wants to pick a second one, but yeah, I think you definitely do. You're noticed. <laughs> you could go entirely unnoticed, and I have something set up for that if that's what you choose, Ryan. Yeah, because you weren't the one like announcing your presence, so you could totally fade into the background. I don't know if there's a is there a stage because maybe I just go straight through it. That's exactly what I had planned. You just, you go through the set yes. piece, but then you crash through the stage and it's lifted like four feet off the ground. It's kind of on like those stilted platforms. So you crash through and your hero landed. So you're completely under the stage in the grass. It happened all way too fast. And uh, Uncle Patrick's visions was obscured by the debris, but also Refract standing up and making this statement. So you are now crouched under the stage, completely unnoticed. Don't know who to choose because there's so many good choices. Because I could choose Uncle Patrick, I could choose Celine. There's uh, Stitch, a, you know, a, a hero of the Midnighters. 
And then there's the audience. Uh, you know what? I'm going to roll a d6 and see what I get. One, it's Uncle Patrick. All right. You now have influence over Uncle Patrick. And I also think this glowing red rune covered bird swoops up over the stage and drops both of you and you have your dramatic entrance or complete obscurity on stage. It swoops up and away and back over to the meadow and passes off as one of the other incredible effects that have been brought on, probably by Coda and the resources he brings as influencer and everything else there. This was a knockout performance, uh, one of the lifetime. Those fancy Moon Harbor special effects. Yeah, did you, <laughs> so do you say the bird was flying away? Yeah, it swoops back and you catch a glimpse as it's flying off. It has Jewel in its claws, and it seems essentially keeping you away from their majesty was its main objective, and it accomplished that. I just want to do something petty. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so I would like to use, uh, I would like to have my drone follow it, like panning with it a little bit from a distance, but then Coda's going to voice over like with a bird voice being like, look at me go, I'm a stupid fucking bird. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god. I I was not attempting to contribute in any meaningful way. No, no, no. (laughs) Hey, playing your character to the maximum exactly how they're supposed to be is wonderful and beautiful and exactly what we want. And I think that that lives up to Coda entirely. All right. So the play has gone off without a hitch. The hydranous vines from the Feywilds have kind of wrapped themselves around the stage and really added a nice air to it giving it a forest vibe any damage that was done by anything including the giant magic circle will be played off as new olympus doing new olympus things oh and the real frankie was found safe after the show wrapped up backstage in a props closet there was a pile of hydranous vines near him that had let him go after jewel was knocked out and now the old town community park just has a little bit of flora from the fey wilds among its many inhabitants. And they've pretty effectively covered the magical scars on the forest floor left behind by the summoning circle that didn't fully activate. And it was all part of the production value. And as the show is wrapping up, everyone's coming up to make their bows. Stitch gathers Celis, Bobby, and Ryan together and says, Thank you so much! I don't know how you got all the props and the fireworks to go off like that, but it was great. All in a day's work, ma'am. She stitches a crown onto her head, and her needle comes out and stitches itself into a sword and says, If it pleases you, bow. Or kneel. I think it's kneel. I think that's what they say. Yeah, it's a kneel. Yeah. Refract kneels. Uh, Ryan will kneel, but is also pulling his dress back on and trying to fix his flower crown. Yeah, Bobby does the most extravagant bow. And as you all either kneel or bow, Stitch lightly taps her needle stitch into a sword on each of your shoulders and says, Thank you for your defense of New Olympus tonight. It was incredible. You're all now honorary members of the cast, and of course, honorary Midnighters. Thank you so much for your service. I think Refract like looks up and's like, Wait, you're a member of the Midnighters? Oh, that's so cool. I'm not supposed to tell you that. And with that, like, she, like, stitches herself out of this and says, No, I wasn't here. That didn't happen. 
okay, bye. Oh, Moonflower's <laughs> gonna kill me. Also, can we talk about how I'm already in the cast? Like, can I get a different thing? <laughs> By this time, she's already gone. She slipped away. I got awarded with redundancy. Great. Celis looks over at, at Ryan. It's like, oh my god, that was one of the Midnighters. That's so cool! I mean, they kind of popped up in the time when I was indisposed, but, you know, getting to find out about them and just what they're doing for the city is just, it, it's so cool. It's so amazing. Like. I want to be as cool as them. I think Ryan's kind of like, yeah, some of them are pretty lame, but some of them are all right, I guess. They really kind of, you know, once you meet them, like, it's, it's you know, it's like never meet your heroes. And... You've met them before? Uh, yes. Oh my god, you've got to tell me all everything about it. Like, what's Moonflower really like? <laughs> okay, but first, I have to get out of here because, like, Patrick is going to see me and he's going to be so mad if he knows I was heroing. Oh, yeah. I should probably go too, because you know, I, I you know, I don't want my identity out to everybody. Yes. <laughs> uh, here, uh, do you wanna try and find a place to change out of our costumes? Uh, I already have my dress back on over the top of mine. <laughs> you probably say that as as they're throwing it back on. <laughs> like <laughs> he's already back in the dress. <laughs> You're like, do you want to find it? Oh, okay. I'm going to go try and find Daisy and Jimmy, get my clothes, and then uh, get to a bathroom. I hope that when I change back into my other self, that my that my makeup is still intact. If Refract is okay with it, Ryan will rub a thumb along, you know, one of the lines that's maybe, like, been smudged or something. Uh, I think that uh, Salas will uh, accept that. Yeah, cool. So Ryan will just be like, yeah, perfect. Thanks. See you soon? Uh, yeah, for sure. And she's, like, blushing heavily as she just, uh, heads out. Well, briefly, Coda was, like, about to interject to be like, I can help you with your makeup. Uh, but then, like, I think that happens and Coda is just like, okay, I think they kiss. <laughs> Uh, Celis comes out of the bathroom, like, fully changed out of her superhero self. She is currently in, uh, boy mode, has her wig on, and's like, you know, still dressed up in her dress and stuff. And she comes out, and she comes face to face with Uncle Patrick. And I think that, like, on the panel, we would see Celis looking over, and then just, like, an anime-shocked expression as she sees uncle patrick and then there's a couple of flashback scenes of probably uncle patrick in different attire in what looks to be some sort of lab space and it basically shows Celis looking over at uncle patrick kind of scared but also like reassured all right coda would you like to send us off I know the show is like done, but Coda will look into at least his little drone camera that's streaming to Instagram. <laughs> and it's just like, well, since Puck is indisposed, someone has to close it out. So if we shadows have offended, think about this and all is mended. That you that have but slumbered here while these visions did appear and this weak and idle theme no more yielding but a dream. Gentles, do not reprehend. If you pardon, we will mend. And as I am an honest Puck, 
if we have unearned luck, now to escape the serpent's tongue, we will make amends ere long. Else the puck a liar call, so good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. Wonderworld Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, a new generation by Brendan Conway. This episode was co-GM'd by Siobhan and Justin Reed. Siobhan can be found on Twitter at SpellboundMage or on her podcast at SomePlaceToBe. Justin Reed can be found on Twitter at WWComicsStitch. Refract is played by Jenny Blaze. can be found on her Twitter at SilverBlaze253 or on her YouTube channel at JennyBlaze253. Ryan was played by Kaylee Newberry, who can be found on Twitter at Kaylee underscore Newberry. Bobby, or Coda, is played by John John Johnson, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Burn John John Burn. You can also listen to John John on the Moon Heroes Harbor podcast and the Dungeons and Drama Nerds podcast. Wonderworld Comics is produced by Michael Dunham, and this episode was edited by Michael Dunham and Justin Reed. The music is from Dvorak Symphony Number no. 9. Do you have any questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at www.comicspodcast or send us an email at www.comicspodcast at gmail.com.